Maureen McGuigan, Deputy Director of Arts and Culture for Lackawanna County, had this to say on Art Scene recently. The Scranton Fringe is just a wonderful organization, and I'm so thrilled to work with them. If you haven't been able to attend the festival, it's just a potpourri of really interesting, experimental, fun, one-person shows, music, other you know, larger theater pieces. There's things in the street. It's a two-week festival. I think when they started, they brought a whole element that maybe what I don't want to say wasn't there but something new it's just a different type of festival if you don't know fringe festivals are worldwide start in Edinburgh so I mean for Scranton to have its own space where people can be creative and the community can come out and celebrate because they're generally shorter so you can see several in a a day and Connor O'Brien and Liz Bohan founded it and they just have a great team of people very professional it's just a great thing to have it's something different just adds to our cultural landscape in a new way Maureen McGuigan, Deputy Director of Arts and Culture for Lackawanna County, speaking about the Scranton Fringe Festival, celebrating here what Scranton Fringe has brought to the region. Scranton Fringe survived the COVID pandemic through its creative visioning, and the festival will open fully at the end of September. We had a chance to speak by phone with Executive Director Connor Kelly O'Brien and Managing Director Elizabeth Bohan. They are the co-founders. We spoke about the 2023 Fringe Festival, but first things first. A Fringe Festival is a multi-arts, multi-venue celebration, theater, dance, comedy, music. There are over 200 Fringe Festivals worldwide. They began in Edinburgh, Scotland in 1947. The Edinburgh Fringe is now the largest annual event in the world, period, let alone the largest arts festival. And Scranton Fringe is about to celebrate its ninth year and we are so, so excited to be bringing the festival to life September 28th through October 7th in over half a dozen venues in downtown Scranton. We know, Elizabeth, that you and Connor had a sense that this is really important for the community, and yet it's a daunting task. you probably not stopped for nine years. You just keep going, right? We definitely have a lot to do behind the scenes to prepare the festival, and we've also expanded into year-round programming, which is great to show that the local community is interested in the arts and in what we're doing and what our artists are presenting, which is so exciting, especially for our artists who are doing original work. We have artists who have never produced before, as well as people who have been in our festival almost every year. So that's extremely exciting for us to see. And you each have perspective now, nine years What have you seen? What do you hear from people who are restaurateurs and things like that? What has the impact in various ways been on the community to have a two-week festival like this? That's a great question. We've gotten such an incredible response and level of support from the community at large. Our sponsors, those who fund us through grants, local businesses. And in return, we've heard a tremendous amount of restaurants that are packed during the festival, people going to bars and coffee shops in between performances and regrouping and networking. We actually partner almost every year with the University of Scranton Business Honors Program, and their students have confirmed after a multi-year study that the Fringe Festival alone, not mentioning our year-round programming, as Liz said, but just the festival alone generates upwards of $250,000 a year for the local economy. Obviously, it's not just about money by any means, but that's definitely a great way that we can measure and know 
that our festival is both culturally significant, but also returning an investment and proving that the arts are a vehicle for sustainability and growth in any community. And what is distinctive about your Fringe Festival is that you invite and celebrate regional talents, Pennsylvania talents, but you also are open to bringing in talent from elsewhere. Yes, we are very proud that our festival for nine years has been curated from an open access call for proposals and submissions for creative expression. We do not charge and have never so far charged an application fee for the main festival. And we've gotten artists from, I'm going to guess about half the U.S. states, a few different countries. But of course, we are primarily centered regionally and the Northeast section, New York, area, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Ohio. But we have artists this year coming up from the South. We have artists that are coming in from New York City. And of course, we have our bread and butter, our local Northeast Pennsylvania creatives, both amateur and professional. And how does the jurying take place? Because you can't accommodate everybody. We don't censor any shows. We only curate for time and space. So we have an open call of artists, and we look at what venues we have available, what spaces, what the audience is looking for, and we put that all together. It's, it's usually just we'll set a number and we'll fill the slots, and as we go through, once the slots that we have available over the two-week period are full, then we're full. We certainly don't make any artistic judgments in that way. Let me ask you, over the years, even though the artists are from wide-ranging places and ages and backgrounds, do themes emerge? Have you seen clusters certain times? I will say that, and this goes to Liz's point about how you know meticulous and serious we take the curation process. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, it's good and bad. We usually can only accept about one in five, one in six of our applicants, and we really, really do try our best to engage those we can't accept in our year-round programming and do other work. But as Liz mentioned, there is only so much time and space for a small nonprofit organization. So I can't necessarily speak to themes and patterns that we see in the festival's final program, but from the application process, I personally, this past year especially, have noticed there is definitely a larger conversation growing every year of artists who want to speak about the active ongoing climate crisis, global warming, the, the state of our world, and kind of an inter-post-COVID environment. But I've, I've noticed a lot of, like, theater meets ecology, one of which we have in this year's festival that's really, really cool and unique. But that's a pattern I've noticed. But that's kind of the cool thing about a fringe festival. It really runs the spectrum from joyous and magical and open to all ages to a little more deep and serious and contemplative and maybe not for everybody. And then in turn, there's also a spectrum of amateur to full-fledged year-round professional. So it, it really runs the spectrum. Liz, do you see any themes emerging? Actually, I was looking through our guide today, and I think that this year is probably the largest amount of topics about marginalization that we've ever had. We have a lot of shows that are about from the perspective or about women, the LGBTQ community. We have once again included our special film festival that we run through our tech director, Dan Kimbrough, the Taking Up Space Film Festival, which focuses on IPOC representation. And we just have a lot of different shows that are about the edges of society, people who are maybe being described as outcasts or weirdos, but this is their stories. I, I, I did think about that today, the fact that much of the work that's in the festival this year is not only original work, but also work about 
um, identity. <laughs> and one of the other distinctive things about the Scranton Fringe and Fringe Festivals that there are many different types of spaces in which these pieces are presented. Yes, our venues run from the beautiful, very large People Security Theater at Lackawanna College to more intimate black box spaces, uh, such as the Junior Ballroom and Scranton Cultural Center, the Scranton Shakespeare Space within the marketplace at Steamtown. But also we do free programming at the Lackawanna County Children's Library. We, we are creating little pop-up theater spaces within the Atha Gallery, uh, the space at Olive, which is owned and operated by Meals on Wheels of Northeast PA, who we love working with. I mean, in years past, we've had outdoor shows, site-specific work. It really does run the spectrum in every category, the genre, the voices we're representing, the venues we inhabit, the tone of the shows. It really is a little bit of everything. And I'd love it if you would let people know who weren't aware of the distinctive way you handled presentations during COVID with your aquarium-like, your behind-the-glass <laughs> project. Yes, uh, we took artists into fishbowls. The Fringe Under Glass was our version of the Scranton Fringe Festival, which we presented in 2020 and 2021. It's a model that took uh, a very tightly curated lineup of small works, original plays, quirky performance art pieces, improvisation, even film, and placed it behind storefront windows. Audiences were then guided via silent disco headsets, via our tour guides on their own set paths. It was extremely COVID-safe. It was also extremely well-received by our community. It's actually something that we continue to talk about. We would love to revisit even now, but obviously, given the, the intensity of that process and the more traditional model of the festival, we had to, we can only do one at a time. It was, I'm not going to say it was as extensive as the traditional festival model, but it was definitely a significant amount of time, investment. Um, the work is, it's such a unique model to present work. We really had to, typically in a fringe festival, the artists are self-producing their shows. We guide them. We give them advice. We're here to support the Fringe Under Glass model, because of the uniqueness of the platform, really had to be a more hands-on role in our process between Liz, I, and our entire team. But the Silent Disco headsets will be utilized this year either way. We're partnering in three different ways. We're doing an adult late-night Silent Disco on one of the evenings. We are doing a kid Silent Disco for the second year for free at the Lackawanna County Children's Library. And then also something that's really interesting we're kind of expanding our programming. It's still primarily in downtown Scranton, but we are branching off a little bit into the neighborhoods of Scranton, and we're teaming up with the Greenhouse Project in Nayog Park, their Honey Bee and Harvest Day on Sunday, October 1st, where we're going to be using our headsets to present our first exclusive audio immersive experience, which is a stationary experience called Becoming a Bee for free for kids and their families at that event. So, Again, I know that that's a lot of information that's jumping around a lot, but I think it's just a testament to how wonderful and brilliant our arts community is, how great of a team we've assembled, and how lucky we are to have an area where there was such a strong arts foundation to begin with. Otherwise, we never could have grown the festival to the degree we have. For people who haven't experienced a Fringe Festival, there is a certain delight in being able to take in a number of performances in a given day because of the nature of the presentations themselves. Yes, most of our shows are an hour or less, and we have the guide available so everyone can page through and make their own schedule and say, maybe I can see two shows on Friday and three shows on Saturday. 
and there's something going on in the afternoon, and then there's a late-night party. So we definitely tried to space everything out so that you can get a taste of all of the different opportunities. Do creative artists who have presented and been part of Scranton Fringe in the past, are they knocking on the door and reapplying because they've had good experiences? Yes, we have a lot of frequent collaborators and companies, local and touring, that apply to us year after year. There is a Uh, We might have to start a champion circle at some point. There are a few handful that have been part of the festival in one form or another every single year, including our Fringe Under Glass 2 COVID years. And we're very, very grateful. We love love the feedback we get from artists. A touring artist who was with us last year in a show called Tomatoes Tried to Kill Me That Banjo Saved My Life has toured to countless, countless other Fringe festivals, including Edinburgh and the larger ones in Canada as well. And uh, their team specifically told us, which may not be the most interesting from an artistic perspective, but Liz and I were very proud that administratively, in terms of communication and admin support, we were their absolute favorite festival, one of their favorite festivals to deal with. But we were very honored and touched by that. But yeah, we've had a lot of artists. Liz, do you want to mention um, Simone and how she's kind of grown in her, in her career and, and been involved with us year after year? Yes, definitely. One of the great things about the platform of the Fringe Festival is that we really try to build a ladder for our artists to be able to build their careers. We've had people who have started as volunteers and have decided to, you know, become an actor. We've had people use our platform for learning and helping to build the experience for new artists, not only actors, producers, but even writers who perhaps would not have the funds to mount their own productions early on in their careers. This year, we've started a new partnership with the Maslow Family Graduate Program in Creative Writing at Wilkes University, where they are sponsoring one of the people who is in their creative writing program to have their play be produced in the festival. So that's how it ties back to Simone. Simone Daniel has been an artist in our festival almost every year, whether she's acting, producing, costuming. She has many talents. And this year, she has been hired on by this production. It's called Madam and Eve by Nicole Duncan. And they've hired Simone to direct this new play that's just been written in the creative writing program at Wilkes University that perhaps wouldn't have otherwise gotten the chance to be seen on stage for a few years. So we're really proud of the fact that we are able to offer that hand up to new artists and provide them with all of our marketing and PR resources, provide them with our audience who already knows what the Fringe is, and to introduce them to new people that perhaps will work with them in the future, the way that Simone has been able to go across multiple productions and multiple different roles. This is not a spoiler, but for the 10th year next year... Are you going to do what you always do and continue to do it well, or do you think you're going to have some extra added something or others to Mark 10th? Uh, yes, we've, we've definitely been talking for quite some time about the significance that 2024 will be our 10th year. And that's a major milestone for any career and accomplishment, but certainly for a small, scrappy, independent arts festival like ours. So we, we definitely are... We're definitely having a lot of conversations. We have a lot of really exciting ideas. I will just say and then I'll pass the baton to Liz, I will just say our 10th year, I think, is in a wonderful way going to look very different. Still maintaining our core mission, 
but I think it's going to be uh, an exciting departure. Liz, would you concur or say something else? No, I think that was a very good way to put it. We're definitely always trying to keep our tent poles up and bring new people into the fold. So I think if your listeners want to find out what we're going to do for our 10th year, they're more than welcome to reach out to us at info at scrantonfringe.org. And join the team because we are always looking for new ideas and new volunteers and new members who want to help us move on into the future. Our 10th year, I think, is definitely going to be a year where we need as many hands brought to the table as possible. I mean, we always have a large amount of artists and volunteers and and supporters, but I think that's something we're going to be needing a little sooner in the process. So definitely reach out to us. And we're really, really excited. And we have a lot of ideas, but of course, in true fringe spirit, We also want to hear the ideas of those in our community near and far. So, yeah, we're very, very, very excited and very grateful to platforms like yours that help us get the word out. Just a recap of the dates and where we go to find out more. Sure. The 2023 Scranton Fringe Festival will be taking place in venues all throughout downtown Scranton, September 28th through October 7th. You can find out more and get tickets at scrantonfringe.org. Executive Director Connor Kelly O'Brien and Managing Director Elizabeth Bohan, co-founders of the Scranton Fringe Festival, speaking with us about the 2023 edition, September 28th through October 7th, at venues in and around Scranton, all the way over to Naog Park for the Bee Immersive. For more information, on the web, scrantonfringe.org, scrantonfringe.org. And if you'd like to accept the invitation to take part in Scranton Fringe as a volunteer, info at scrantonfringe.org. Info at scrantonfringe.org. It's the 2023 Scranton Fringe Festival, and you can find out all the information you need on the web, scrantonfringe.org, scrantonfringe.org.